Will you please pray with me? Now, O Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. So today we begin a new year at Holy Cross and uh, a new sermon series. We've come to the end of our journey through Luke's Gospel. And yes, we have finally come to the end of 2020. I found these amazing glasses that I was given at the beginning of the year. And I'm wondering if anyone would like them, because I'm going to get rid of them. Stan suggested perhaps we jump on them together. But uh, these 2020, 20, sorry, 2020 glasses are going if you want them. They will be a, uh, some memento, I'm sure. <clears throat> it's finally come to an end, and I'm sure that's a relief to many of you, though. And so we look forward. And for the next few weeks and throughout 2021, we're going to be asking the question, what does God have in store for us next? What does God have in store for us next? And we begin the year by looking at the wise men or the Magi. These were the first non-Jews recorded as encountering Jesus in the flesh. In a poem titled The Journey of the Magi, the poet T.S. Eliot recounts what it must have been like to have been one of those wise men who went to Bethlehem. As one of the Magi is nearing the end of his life, he's remembering the journey and he's reflecting on its significance. <clears throat> All this was a long time ago, I remember, and I would do it again. But set down, this set down, this, will be led all that way for birth or death. The wise man continues, there was a birth, certainly. We had evidence and no doubt. I had seen birth and death, but had thought they were different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us, like death, our death. We returned to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation with an alien people clutching their gods. I should be glad of another death. What we hear in the poem is how the wise men's encounter with Jesus was one that changed their world. No longer could they look at their world or the night skies in the same way. No longer were their gods of their homeland satisfying for them. For the rest of their lives, they would serve another god. Now, while we have to be careful not to read too much into a poem, I think Eliot probably got it right. After all, how could a journey and an encounter like this not have had an incredible lasting impact on these men? Well, today I want to suggest, though, that their journey was a template for the road that lay ahead of them, the road that was to come after, after they got back, and not just for them, but for all who would follow Jesus today. That if we will be watchful and we will listen, God will always lead us onwards to the next step that he's set before us. So let's turn to our gospel reading for today and see what God is saying. And if you want to follow along, it'll maybe be on the screens. And uh, you can also uh, follow it in your Bible app if you want. Matthew chapter 2. It's Matthew chapter 2. Or if you brought a Bible with you, feel free to get that out. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And in verse 1, we have the context for our story. We read, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. 
So the story happens during the time of Herod the Great. Now, this isn't the Herod who was the one who had John the Baptist beheaded later on or who meets with Jesus just prior to the crucifixion. No, that was Herod Antipas, who's the son of this Herod, Herod the Great. Herod the Great ruled in Israel for the Romans from 41 BC until his death around 4 BC. Now, you'll see some problems right there immediately. 4 BC, BC meaning what? Before Christ, and yet he's the Herod who's king when Jesus is born. So somewhere along the line, the monk who established the calendar that we follow about, I think it was about 500 years after this, messed up on some dates. Okay, But this Herod the Great, he was a man whose insecurities made him particularly ruthless. He killed plenty of his family members to make sure he stayed king. What about the wise men then? Well, as Matthew explains, the wise men are from the east. And how many of them are there? Does it say three? We don't know. We just don't know. How many gifts are there? No, we do know that. (coughs) There are three, and so we assume there are three wise men. But actually, what we've been told that there were three is just guesswork. Okay. So we have these wise men, and we're told that they're three kings, right? We three kings from Orient are. These guys just sang that beautifully. But actually, are they kings? We don't know. We have no idea. The text doesn't tell us, right? It it pays to read scripture closely, friends. They're a bunch of foreign astrologers. That's what they are, okay? A bunch of foreign astrologers, likely from Persia or modern-day Iran. And unlike most of the Christmas pageant depictions of their visit, this probably didn't happen on the night of Jesus' birth. No, the wise men arrived after the birth of Jesus. In fact, anywhere up to two years afterwards. And how do we know that? Well, if you read the rest of this chapter, you'll see that when the wise men don't return from Bethlehem to Jerusalem to Herod, he commands all of the male children in Bethlehem in all that region who were two years old or younger to be killed in what's known as the Massacre of the Innocents, a particularly tragic story. So it may have been up to two years afterwards that they visited. So this is the context for our story today. A bunch of foreign astrologers, a murderous, insecure king, and some mixed-up dates, which leads us to the first way that God moves people onwards. And this is good news. God leads us forward by meeting us where we are in all of our mess. He meets us where we are in all of our mess. Anyone got some mess in their lives? Yeah, you better all raise your hands, because I know you do. You've got mess in your lives, friends, trust me. <clears throat> now, I'm not sure where your journey with Jesus began, and I'm not sure where, you're, where you are on that journey right now. But the journey of the wise men begins in a fairly improbable way. Like I said, they were astrologers. They were people who looked to the movement of the stars to receive guidance concerning the future. Today, they would have been the people who write the horoscopes in our newspapers or on online websites. And yet God chooses this ungodly occupation to draw them to him using a star to lead them all the way to Jerusalem. Verse 2, Where is he who was born the king of the Jews, they say? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. As the British commentator Michael Green puts it, in the ancient world, most people believed in astrology. It is not surprising. The steady courses of the heavenly bodies represented the settled order of the universe. When some new astronomical event took place, it was reasonable to suppose that God was breaking into his ordered world and making some news. 
Now, what was the star they saw, though? Is there any proof that such an astronomical or astrological event actually happened? Well, I don't know how many of you were outside about 10 days ago. You may remember this, right? In the news, it would have been around sunset on the shortest day of the year, December 21st, the winter solstice. But if you were, you may have seen a fairly rare event. It was the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in the sky at night. And this hasn't happened at night in 800 years. Now, some call this the Christmas star. And why is that? Well, it's likely that this very same conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter was the thing that guided the wise men to Jesus. You see, it is recorded in a document from an observatory in Babylon at that time that this very rare occurrence actually happened three times in the area of the sky known as Pisces in the year 7 BC. Now, don't get confused by the dates. Remember, the dates are mixed up, okay? On May 29th, on October 3rd and December 4th of 7 BC. Now, obviously, this would have caught the attention of the Magi, these astrologies, uh, and their interpretation would have actually been fairly straightforward. You see, Pisces was reckoned to be the, uh, to mark the end of the sun's old course and the beginning of the new. Jupiter was the royal planet, and Saturn had long been the symbol of Israel. So this conjunction of planets, giving the impression of one very bright star, would have meant to any competent astrologer that a new age was beginning in which the sovereignty of the world would shift to Judea or Israel. And so as Jerusalem was the capital of Judea, it's natural that the Magi would have gone there first. God met them where they were in all their mess, both physically and spiritually, and he led them forwards towards him. Now I wonder what circumstances he's trying to use in your life today to move you forward. Maybe a set of coincidences that cannot be ignored any longer. Or maybe a tough situation that you found yourself in. The loss of a loved one, a sickness, an addiction you can't shake by yourself, a financial crisis, an existential crisis. Whatever it is, are you listening? Are you listening to what he's doing? It's likely that however hard it is, he's trying to move you forwards, taking the next step in your journey with him. Well, secondly, God leads us forward by using others. The wise men, they act on what they see, don't they? And they make it to Jerusalem and they discover what many people discover as they try to move forward in their journey with Jesus. They need the help of other people. Ever discovered that? They need the help of other people. You see, God invariably leads us forwards by using others. And so they make inquiries in Jerusalem as to where this new king of the Jews can be found. Surely other people have seen what they've seen. Surely other people are on the lookout for this new thing that's happening in the world. It seems, though, that it's a complete surprise to most people there, and particularly to King Herod. In verses 3 and 4, we read, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. His potential rival clearly wasn't what he was expecting. And in fact, for an insecure man with a history of violence, this was bad news for everyone. Well, for all the wrong reasons, Herod also wants to know what he should do next. And so he gathers the most learned people he can think of, those who know the scriptures. And it's perhaps the wisest thing he does in all of this. And yet his fear of what God might be doing leads him to take the wrong next step. 
And instead of setting out on his own journey to worship this new king, his fear of what he might lose holds him back from this path forward. And it leads him to the terrible events at the end of this chapter and trying to deceive the wise men to help him. I wonder, though, who has God put in your life to help you? Who are you willing to listen to when you get stuck in your journey with Jesus? If the answer is no one, then you have a problem. One that, like Herod, will likely lead you to taking the wrong path. We all need people who are willing to speak the truth to us, God's truth. Fellow believers who will do what we see happen next which is that thirdly, we see that God leads us forward through his word. You see, having been met by God in their circumstances and then led by God through his people, we then see how God leads the wise men forward through the truth of his scriptures. Well, we're not sure if Herod shares with the wise men all that he learned about this new king and uh, who's rising. We know he gives them enough to point them in the direction of Bethlehem. You see, the birth of the Messiah was prophesied long ago, and the scribes, quoting primarily from the book of Micah chapter 5, say this, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so the wise men, guided by others and by the word of God itself, they set out to Jerusalem to worship this new king. What part does scripture play in guiding you? What part does it play in guiding you? Is it the very foundation of all that you do? Is scripture the foundation? Or is it just more like a dispenser of fortune cookie wisdom when you need it? You know, you pick and choose verses every so often. If we want to be led by God and to know the next steps in our journey, we need to know what God says in Scripture. To hear them, to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, as the Anglican reformer Thomas Cranmer once wrote. We need to know God's word, all of God's word. Well, finally, we see that God leads us through the supernatural. In verses 9 through 11, we see the wise men, they follow the star to Bethlehem and they worship the newborn king and their obedience to God, their willingness to take next steps has led them to the greatest moment of their lives. It's this encounter with the incarnate God himself. But this is not the end of their story. This isn't the end of discovering how God leads. No, the last thing we discover is how God leads people forward through the supernatural. You see, while in one sense this story, the whole thing has been a supernatural occurrence, so far the wise men have been led by what some might call just a coincidence of natural objects, events, including stars and men, and the words of Scripture. But as if to prove without doubt that none of this was just coincidence, God leads these men on their next steps in a supernatural way. And not just them, but Mary and Joseph too. Verses 12 through 13, we see this. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. 
Twice in our story then, God leads or uses dreams to lead his people. And this isn't unusual throughout scripture. This happens at other times. And it isn't unusual since in the lives of believers. Countless times God speaks to people in visions or dreams. In fact, in a recent survey of 600 Muslims who came to faith in Jesus, 25% of them, that's one in four, said a dream led to their conversion. The U.S. evangelist Darren Carlson shares about one such occasion. He writes this. A friend of mine tells of a Persian migrant who arrived at a refugee center at 6 a.m. in the morning, visibly upset. He told his story to a Persian pastor there. During the night, he saw someone dressed in white raise his hand and say, stand up and follow me. The Persian man said, who are you? The man in white replied, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the way to heaven. No one can go to the Father except through me. He began to ask the Persian pastor, who is he? What am I going to do? Why did he ask me to follow him? How shall I go? Tell me. In response, the pastor held out his Bible and asked, have you seen this before? No, he replied. Do you know what it is? No. The pastor then opened to the book of Revelation. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The man started crying and said, how can I accept him? How can I follow him? So the pastor led him in prayer and peace came over him. The pastor then gave the man a Bible and told him to hide it since the Muslims in the camp could cause him trouble. But the man replied, the Jesus I met today, he's more powerful than the Muslims in the camp. He left and an hour later returned with 10 more Persians and told the pastor, these people want a Bible. Friends, this is just one story among so many. Go research it for yourself. God speaks through the supernatural and he leads people forward who will listen to him. And so the wise men continue their journey without aiding Herod and Mary and Joseph help Jesus to escape certain death. Yes, his unjust death will come eventually, partly at the hands of Herod's son, but now is not the time. His earthly journey is just beginning. Friends, I wonder if God is seeking you out through the supernatural. I had one such conversation with one of you just a few weeks ago on the the back porch behind here, and it encouraged me greatly to hear how God was doing that. Because you were open to it, God was using the supernatural to move you forwards. God moves in mysterious ways, as they say. So don't discount an unusual dream, vision, or encounter that you may have. Yes, confirm that it aligns with scripture. Ask a pastor like myself if it seems true to who God is. But be open to the work of the God who is above nature, not constrained by it. He walks on water. He heals the sick. He casts out demons. And yes, he speaks through dreams and visions for the purpose of moving his people forwards. Well, as we come to a close today, I want to ask you to ask God what he wants for you in 2021 and to take the next step, however scary that may seem. During our quarantine as a family, we had a lot of time on our hands, as you can imagine. And so we decided we would watch The the Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, all six movies, extended editions. (laughs) It took up about, you know, half a day each time, which was great for us. It was worth it. 
And there's this great moment in the first Lord of the Rings trilogy where Samwise and Frodo are about to leave the Shire where they live and head out on their epic journey. And Sam hesitates for a moment, realizing that if he takes one more step, it will be the furthest that he has ever ventured from home. Taking his hand, though, and leading him onwards, Frodo reminds him of something his uncle Bilbo used to say. It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. There's a fear that comes with taking next steps, because invariably they are steps into the unknown. But if we'll keep our feet grounded in God's leading through a combination of circumstance, community, scripture, and the supernatural, we can know that we are on the right path. Now, for some of you, that next step is giving your life to Jesus. You have never done that. And much like T.S. Eliot grasped so well in his poem, there is a cost to that, a death of sorts. You see, we too will begin to feel like the wise man in Eliot's poem, no longer at ease here in the old dispensation with an alien people clutching their gods. There'll be a lack of satisfaction with what the world offers us and the things those around us are serving, money and materialism, status and success, looks and longevity. And yet what we will yearn for is more of God, more of what really matters. We'll long to be with the one who truly loves us. But this discomfort is worth it, friends. Jesus died on the cross that you might be free from sin and death. So please today repent and believe. But I know that most of you did that a while ago. And so the next step for you in 2021 is something else. Maybe it's to read God's word, all of it. Or maybe it's a call to submit to its authority in your life instead of picking and choosing which parts you like and which parts you don't. Maybe it's a call to pray more often, to spend more time listening to God than talking. Perhaps it's a call to join a life group or maybe to lead one. A call to forgive someone who's wronged you or to forgive yourself and receive God's grace. A call to a new vocation. A call to give away your money more generously or to stop holding on to what you've been given. A call to work in prison ministry, perhaps. Or maybe a call to stop making excuses and to adopt or foster children. Maybe a call to work with the elderly or a call to serve the poor or the immigrant. A call to tell someone, anyone, about Jesus' love. Maybe it's a call to ordination. What is God calling you to in 2021? What is the next step? Don't let the past hold you back. Be watchful and listen, and God will always lead you onwards to the next step that he has set before you. As the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 43 that Darren just read for us, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, come. Help us to overcome the fear of what the next step might be for us, Lord. Particularly if it's of letting go of something that we have held on to for so long that has drawn us away from you. Help us to release it, Lord Jesus, to turn it over to you. Help us to take the next step this year, to to step out in faith, to see what you might be wanting to do in our lives, rather than trying to control our lives and to make our own steps, Lord Jesus. 
Help us to trust you. We pray this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.